for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Kevin Franz and former San Francisco Giant about Thursday's negotiations between the Players Association and Major League Baseball. They are not close to coming to an agreement, but there are some things that have been brought to the table, including the universal DH, the adding of a potential draft lottery for the first overall draft pick, and some incentives on bringing up young players if they're to win Rookie of the Year, MVP, or make an all-star team. These are all things we can talk about with Kevin Franzen, who joins me next. Today is Monday, January 17th. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast a friend of mine, former big leaguer Kevin Franzen. Uh, you've heard him uh, on broadcasts around baseball with the Phillies last season, obviously. And uh, uh, as a former big leaguer, Kevin told me years ago at KNBR, yeah, we're going to get a work stoppage at the end of this CBA. Mm-hmm. And Kevin, I want to say they, they sat down at the negotiating table, but they didn't really. They sat down at their desk at home and they had a Zoom call about some of this negotiation stuff, man. First of all, how are you? Second of all, any of this comes a surprise to you? What's up, dude? Uh... Not at all. Hey, look, I think I, I told you when the CBA came out uh, in 2016, I said I, I looked at you, I said, dude, this is the players, for the most part, being idiots, fighting for the wrong things, fighting for things that did not matter. Why are billionaires, and in this case, the owners, billionaires, why are they? They're smart. And if you're going to take petty things, little things, like we got to have a couple chefs here, we're going to eliminate this money you know, for well, let's not have you know the per diem be this. Let's make sure that we have a chef on the road, and owners are like, okay, so we'll just take more of the revenue. Is that is that good? And we saw it how it was going to be structured. It's up to fifty seven forty three right now. It was in favor of the players prior to this CBA agreement, and we're at a point now that I knew going into it. When that was signed, saying they're going to realize really quick how terrible this is of a deal for us, that we're going to have to fight as much as we can to get everything back, and we're going to end up in a work stoppage. Because look, right, they're trying to do that. They're trying to fight for everything they lost instead of just a little bit of a time. Like, understand that you were the cause of this, and, you know, obviously ownership is too, because they're the ones that locked out baseball, not the players. But at the same time, the players are trying to get back so much all in one turn. It just doesn't surprise me. It doesn't at all. It's unfortunate, but again, it's a work stoppage. There's no stoppage of any work other than the fact that we had the greatest one-day or two-day span with November 31st and, and December 1st. The free agent signing, you mean, with all oh, the money yeah. that was handed out? That oh, was a, yeah. an unbelievable couple of days considering right? how free— that what we- you and I have talked about that. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't it be awesome if baseball had, like, an NBA or NFL type of, right. like, one-day signing where everyone just, like, 12 o'clock, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, because we had, uh, you know, the potential of the stoppage of the lockout happening, this is uh, what sort of hung over them. And so a bunch of teams went out and spent money. And this is the problem, though, is there are fewer guys with $30 million contracts per year than there are with guys who are making minimum uh, wage at the major league level. Those are the guys at the top. Those are the guys we're not really concerned about. A lot of this CBA stuff is going to come into play with the guys who are on the fringe, the guys who are get yeah. called up, who play, you know, a, a little role on a team or who maybe aren't the superstars. I guess I want to ask you, of all the stuff they're negotiating, and fans look at it from a totally different perspective, I'm not talking dollars and cents about where the money's allocated. Fans care about, is there going to be a DH? How many teams are in the playoffs? All that sort of stuff that makes you want to watch the game. Is there an item you think that should be at the top or that you know of is at the top of what the players are demanding or wanting here? Yeah, I think the free agency thing needs to be at the back end. Like, just stop with that, right? I think 
the ability to pay the younger guys and is is fascinating to me. It's one that I've asked for for years. Like you could sign them to the minimum. You could sign them to you know like if uh, if you give them a, a hundred thousand dollar raise. Let's say you know Aaron Judge in year one he goes and wins the rookie of the year, but he's also number two in MVP to Jose Altuve. I think it was seventeen, right? He has the ability. The team pays him up to that point. Like he doesn't set his salary for next year. But like, give them the money, and now they're talking about a pool. Now it's like a, a kind of a variation of what I've always talked about is having this player pool of money, and you know X Y Z. I'm like, this should go from the team. The team should be paying this player. If you're on the minimum, let's go by the owner's way of like, let's do it by war. Okay, so th- now you pay him this this amount of money. It's a bonus. It doesn't affect your CBT tax, and I think that's a big thing. That should be on number one because, look. I think it was Eno Saris with The Athletic who wrote about it with the NBA. It's what, 3% of the players are, are mm-hmm. on the minimum. With the NHL, I believe it's just about the same right there. And when you look at the Major League Baseball and the minimum, 60% of the league is on that. 60%. But, oh, my gosh, it just shows how powerful the truly the, the wealthiest of players, you know, how powerful it is, right, to be. Because the 60% really doesn't look like it's in there when you're averaging $4 million a contract, right? When you look at major league salaries, the median contract is well below that. We know that. And that's what should be looked at. It's affecting all of that. The rookies, you know, to the the non-arbitration eligible guys, to the 30-year-olds, right? The guys that are in the mid-level. We've seen it in the NBA. I always find it funny who the the head of the, the player rep, for the entire NBA is Chris, Chris Paul. Paul and he's yeah. making what, like forty million? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'm gonna fight for you're fighting for yourself in the in the guys that are up top. But again, it's a microcosm of society, just in general. So do you have the right to, to make that much money? Absolutely. But we gotta find ways that we could get it in the middle. The other couple things that, you know, real quick on, on it that I think they need to be fighting for is the lack of the spending, right? Like spend, but why should you be given a, a, a tax on it? If you want to overspend and spend that money, I think it's fantastic. If you want to set the ceiling a little bit higher to like 243, I think that's fine, you know, or whatever you want. But to me, when you add the floor and then you're going to create a ceiling at 189, do not sit there and tell me that we will be better off. That means that there's going to be seven, I think it's seven teams, seven teams. That would have to be like just chopping off a bunch of dudes, or else they're going to be taxed like crazy. They will be well over that 289, or the or sorry, the 189. And I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> what what do we want? What do we ultimately want? You were here when the San Francisco Giants were trying to in the Bay Area when the Giants were trying to get back under the luxury tax for one season so that they could go and spend the following season or two years later and potentially make a run at some big players or some big free agents. So you're yeah. right, it, the, the top heavy and comparing it to major to uh, the NBA and to the NHL is so skewed because you've got 26 guys on a roster and ultimately yep. you're going to use far more than that throughout a season. You're not using just 26, and so those big contracts at the top skew that average so dramatically. So your point's well taken that the guys at the top are are it's tough. To have them as your representatives because they may not necessarily be fighting for the same stuff. No, and they could be your smartest guys too. Right, right. At the right. same time. But at the, the end of the day, I always like to liken this whole thing to, look, why are we in a lockout? Players, you know, I think were, were very stupid when it came to the 2016 one because they didn't think about the future. They thought about the now. Right. It was a lot about the now. But we have to remember the old school player that in the 90s 
old school. <laughs> but <laughs> they they fought for us. They fought for the future of the game and the growth of the game. They did that. The players have got to get back to that. In your experience when talking to players now, does it feel like they've got that foresight? Are they worried about the state of the game? Because we see a lot of guys now on social media who talk openly about the problems in the game. Evan Longoria is a guy who's outspoken. I'm not saying you have to agree with all of them, but you get a lot of players now who, and we've seen it across football, guys who have their own podcasts. We're seeing it with basketball. It's kind of cool that we're getting more insight because they've grown up in the social media era. But I'm wondering, when you talk to players personally, we don't have to hit on any names specifically, are guys focused on the now, or do you think that they're worried about the state of the game long term? I will single him out just in itself because Reese Hoskins, I I, I talk to very often, is probably one of the most compassionate people I've ever met and one that understands a lot. It's hard for me because I'm jaded when I talk to him because he gets the whole thing about the past and what they've done to fight for us in the future. I think he's in the minority when it comes to that. He wants you know the game to thrive and all that stuff, but he understands that the future of the game is it really is at their disposal right now like it is at at their hands like the future of the game is at the players hands right now and I think more than anything and I talked to Reese it's you know not getting into business stuff it's just like he just he understands the future of the game is right now and the future of the game is this negotiation and that is a huge thing for do I think that the majority of the players no not at all I don't I think they're so ingrained and in tune with themselves and with the the now I just think that that skews a lot of things. It's because everybody's worried about what it affects them. And this this isn't just, you know, to, to look at the baseball players or, or to the Players Association and say, well, they're only concerned about it's right just, now. It's our world. It's human nature. Everybody's yeah. worried about how is it going to affect them in the immediacy. Yep. Yeah. Every time. Every time. And it's, and it's crazy. Every walk of life, right? Yeah. It, it yeah. could always intersect in some way. It's just the money is different. We get that. It's always the funny thing for me when I always laugh at, at any fan that is against the players in anything like this. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, you you gonna side with your boss over your your coworkers? It's kind of yeah, what it comes I, down I, to. I just don't. I, I just don't. I never have understood that. Hey, let's get to let's get to two topics that fans are concerned about. I know that stuff is just sort of in the weeds, the money stuff. But as, as far as things that fans are concerned about, let me ask your opinion. What's the best? And this isn't necessarily about negotiation. What's the best number of playoff teams in your mind? What would be the perfect number? The eight's fine. I think it was back to want, six they're, they're, this last year. I think I love the six. I'm sorry, I, I I do. I think eight is the the max for me. I understand why why ownership wants to get to sixteen. There's a lot of money involved, but at the end of the day, you want to see fight. Like we don't see a lot of fight getting to the uh, the the playoffs, other than you know in the NBA for the eight seed maybe. Well, I want to see that you know getting to that top six. I, that's just personal on that. I love the fact that if you get to the dance, you have a chance in baseball more than anything. I do think if we expanded to get to 16, a 16 seed technically could win a World Series. That, to me, is scary. I don't like it. Like Because, again, you're going to have guys, you're going to have teams that are going to get out way out ahead, ahead and rest everybody forever and make sure that everyone's good. And next thing you know, it's organizational philosophies, how you're going to you know do that and, and navigate your season. I love when teams go out there to win. And I just – the thing that if I was a, a fan and concerned about more than anything is exactly what the owners have uh, just proposed and, and making sure that you get an extra draft pick if you're, one of your top prospects comes up and uh, has a successful year and, and does something. It's like – so you guys are admitting right now that you guys are holding back prospects. Just just ask, just asking, just, just, just kind of throwing out the common sense <laughs> thing here. Right. That's more of a concern for me. Technically, 
putting out the best possible team out there. That's it. That's all I want to know. If I'm a fan, I guess that, that that's more than anything. I'm the fans that sit there and say like, "Oh yeah, I'm I can't wait for this rebuild. We got five years to do this." Like, no, it's a crapshoot. Just it, because you had the Astros do it and and win, doesn't mean it works everywhere. You know, you can't just do the Tampa Bay Rays. That's a whole philosophy that that's you know resonating from top to bottom that no one's pushing against with the Rays. You can't just do it. And it goes back, by the way, it goes back almost like 15 years almost now, organizationally, oh, that they had to build that philosophy. It goes back to like 2008 that they implemented that. Or, that's why people thought and they sort of I came out of nowhere. Them. Yeah. And I appreciate that, right? But you can't have teams that all think that they could do that. There's literally one company that could do from top to bottom, same page. That's what they are. <laughs> By the way, we said six teams. It's actually five teams per league is, is the way the format is now, right? It's the three division winners, the two wildcard teams. They'd be 10. So to your point, the yeah, more yeah, yeah. playoff teams that get in, the less incentive there is for owners to spend, and that's what players are concerned about. Why yeah. would you go add those pieces? If I can if I can spend half as much and get in as a, an 83-win team, why would I worry about getting to 97 or 100 wins? That's yeah. no, the concern. I, I, I think that's a huge concern. So one more for you on the way out here. Uh, Susan Slesser of the Chronicle reported this on Friday uh, after talking, I believe, to Anthony or, uh, uh, to uh, to Slater, Austin Slater, almost said Anthony Slater uh, of the Athletic here. <laughs> of the Athletic, yeah. I don't he's think she's fantastic. By the way, he does do a great job covering the Warriors. I don't think he's the guy who was giving her a, a MLB CBA stuff. Uh, but she reported that it sounds like the DH is probably coming to both leagues. We knew this was a thing, yeah. um, and that it's not going to be tied to any other thing. This is good for players. It creates more jobs. I know National League fans like myself, not the biggest fan of it but where do you come down on the universal dh if you have watched the game like i know you have i have yeah. like a lot <laughs> over the last couple of years 2020 as odd of our world was at that time and how the baseball world changed i actually appreciated the dh for the first time i did we're seeing less and less work and practice of certain skills by each pitcher throughout all of Major League Baseball that we do not get the, the true sense of what it is to be a hitter. There's a lot of guys that we've talked about in the past that bust their butt to do everything possible to be a great hitter, you know, in terms of laying down a bunt, doing all that. We don't see it anymore. So, I mean, we saw some competitive games just based on the fact that, like, some of these pitchers, they've they got to go through nine now. They don't have to go through eight and then have a couple, you know, have a, uh, a little break with some of these pitchers that we're seeing. There's a lot of offers in the entire season by pitchers this year you know Scherzer being one of them but there's a lot more that were like oh for you know 27 one for 45 one for 38 I'm sorry can't sit there anymore and, and, and defend it I was so against the DH in the National League and then being able to call all these games for the Phillies for the last few years I've gotten sick to it like because of the fact that like these guys don't work when I came up with the Giants Mark Gardner every day with the pitchers out there throwing BP pitching machine, making sure that they had everything down to get their job done when they're at the plate. It's rare to see it these days, and it, and it sucks. I have a full grasp on switching sides and saying I'm all for the DH. Anything that's more likely to get Shohei Otani on my team, I have to have like some some favor towards. <laughs> you know what Dude, I mean? Like, <laughs> unbelievable. What we're seeing with Shohei, it's like, guys, when he goes to a National League park, you want to see him hit, right, in these inter- in interleague play games. You want to see him hit. I was at the Giants game last year. The Angels yeah. come to town. He did, It was a two-game series, so it was a short series. Yeah. They played a night game and then a day game. I was at the day game. He didn't play in the night game at all. He comes up as a pinch hitter 
The, by the way, the Giants are up like 7 nothing. I want to say 7 nothing or 8 nothing. They just called up Nick Tropiano to come out, right? Tropiano mm-hmm. comes out and takes the hill. Uh, I think he's getting nobody out or whatever. Shohei leads off, and he gets an ovation. Like, we as Giants fans, I stood up. I was stoked yeah. for it. I'm like, I want to see 7 nothing. This is the scenario where the guy gets to hit one out of the yard, right? We get to celebrate yep. and say, Giants win 7-1. This is, this is exactly the situation you wanted to see him up. Tropiano walks him. The fans booed Tropiano because yeah. we didn't get to see Shohei hit. But then I think he did swipe a bag late, but might have been defensive indifference. So I find everything that you said right there is exactly how it should be, yeah. right? <laughs> everything that we can find a way for Shohei to come in and, and, and perform. Like guys like that need to be able to perform. Don't don't hinder the game by putting out someone that's terrible in the field now. You know, just because you got I got to get his bat in there. But but for me, Shohei Otani, oh, the price of admission on everything. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's spectacular. And, uh, yeah, more the merrier for him. I'm with you, man. Franny, great talking to you as always, dude. Uh, we'll catch up with you again maybe like July 1 on opening day when the uh, – <laughs> oh Don't say that, please. Please don't say that. Right, we'll catch you later, man. Appreciate it, dude. Great stuff from Kevin Franz. He did such a great job uh, calling Phillies games. You can hear him on Phillies games throughout the season when and if the season does get started. But still many negotiations to go. Jeff Passan of ESPN reporting that they are not very close. Thank you to Kevin Franzen. Thank you to Brian Smith, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is in the country you are listening. And we'll keep bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports and certainly in sports uh, that are concerning whether or not baseball is going to get started next season on time. So we'll continue that discussion. We can get into the Warriors. Also, NFL playoffs again later this week. We can talk about that. That's all stuff that's coming up on the update in the days and weeks ahead. Until Wednesday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.